1979, on the Madison, Wisconsin Christmas bird count, my team partner told me that a friend of his, a very experienced birder, had seen a yellow-throated vireo earlier that week at the Arboretum, and we needed to search the Honeum in case it was still around. As common as yellow-throated vireos are in Wisconsin during the breeding season, I was skeptical. They winter in Cuba and from central through northern South America, but nowhere in the United States. The previous winter, Russ and I had spent a week in South Texas, where both solitary vireos, now called blue-headed, and white-eyed vireos were abundant. I figured either of them would be more likely than a yellow-throated. Bill laughed when I mentioned white-eyed, which is extremely rare in Wisconsin, even during the breeding season. I agreed that solitary would be much more likely, but no matter what it was, any vireo in Wisconsin in winter needed to be thoroughly documented. We both got a glimpse of a vireo silhouette and then a good look at the back half at the same moment. Yellow flanks instantly excluded yellow-throated, whose yellow is all on the forward half. Bill said that was enough to prove it was a solitary and wanted to move on so we'd have enough time to cover our whole area. But I was confused about how his friend could have mistaken a solitary vireo for yellow-throated because solitaries don't have any yellow near their faces and have striking white spectacles. White-eyed vireos have yellow spectacles, paler but a bit like those of yellow-throated vireos. I said I wouldn't be comfortable until we got better looks. He'd been birding several decades longer than me and was the count compiler not just for Madison but for the whole state, but his dismissiveness made me feel prickly, so I wouldn't budge. So we kept searching until Bill got a quick glimpse and said it was definitely a solitary, only with some kind of eye deformity. Then the bird flitted out in the open where we both got splendid looks at a perfect white-eyed vireo. Sometimes it takes a village to identify a rare bird. Had Bill's friend been the only one to see it, he'd have documented it as a yellow-throated vireo. Had Bill been the only one to see it on the Christmas bird count, he'd have either corroborated yellow-throated or misidentified it as solitary. I wished other birders had heard about it when it first appeared for two reasons. Any confusion about its identity would have been erased before the Christmas bird count, and also I wanted other people to get to enjoy this unique December record by the next day it had disappeared. The hotlines and phone trees of the time were not only slow ways of communicating rare bird information, they were also exclusive because birders had to be within the same circle of friends to hear about the good stuff while it might still be around. By the 90s, well-to-do birders doing big years or trying to get their life lists up to 600 or 700 could pay to get instant updates about continental rarities via the North American Rare Bird Alert. But that couldn't include rarities that unconnected birders saw and planned to document for their state seasonal reports but hadn't yet reported to birdwatching hotlines. On the morning of May 31, 1997, when a lot of us were out doing a big day as part of Hawk Ridge's annual birdathon, a burrowing owl turned up in Duluth at Erie Pier. 
big days are competitive, but the people who found that owl, the only one ever seen in St. Louis County even today, wanted to share this amazing bird, so they spent much of the rest of the day looking for birders rather than birds to alert us. Thanks to their generosity, a lot of us got to see it before it disappeared that night. The Cornell Lab of Ornithology's eBird changed everything. For example, on Sunday, May 15, 2016, a little blue heron flew over when I was birding alone at the Western Waterfront Trail in Duluth. It disappeared too quickly for me to get photos, and though I'm very familiar with the species in Florida, it does not belong here in Duluth. This was a Sunday at the peak of spring migration when virtually all birders are out birding. So if this had happened before cell phones, I would not have been able to reach anyone till that night. And most recorded rare bird alerts were updated before the weekends, so word of a Sunday bird wouldn't have gone out until Thursday or Friday. But as it happened, the moment I saw it, I reported it on eBird. I had to get home, but within half an hour, three other birders arrived, found it, and got great photos. The bird stuck around for a few days longer, so a lot more people got to see it, too. Getting word out instantly about rare bird sightings is only a tiny fraction of what eBird does for us birders. Next time, I'll talk about how it helps us keep track of all the birds we see. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.